Welcome to Soccer 101, the podcast where we scratch your soccer itches and answer the questions you never knew you had. Today, we're looking at managers. When you don't get them right, you end up like Manchester United over the last decade, or my local Chili's where the bathrooms are worse than a New York City train station's. When you do get them right, you get success, like Liverpool, or my other local chilies, where I only have to say the usual <laughs> before I get my honey chipotle chicken crispers. Mm-mm-mm. But there are two types of managers, <laughs> domestic and international, with vastly different responsibilities and pressures. What qualities make for a successful club manager? How does an international manager reach the highest heights? What are their similarities and their differences. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me for this managerial chat to answer those questions are my good friend Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello, buddy. And Graham Rothman. Hello. Hello, Ryan. Uh, Very good to have you both here, gents. I'm sorry for talking about chilies right off the bat. I'm just quite hungry today, must admit. Um, Why don't we get the ball rolling straight away with a few definitions. Graham, could you just briefly tell us what a club manager is and what a club manager's role is? Sure. So to strip it all the way back, soccer is broadly speaking, split into two spheres. So you have club soccer and you have international soccer. A club team has no restrictions beyond budgetary restrictions and any league transfer restrictions. So they can they can sign pretty much whoever they, they want. Their mission is to simply build the best team they can. So at Premier League level or at any professional level in one of the big five European leagues, you'll have uh, teams consisting of players from around the world and a club manager is the person who is in charge of that team, who leads that team. Maybe they make transfers, but they certainly are in. Uh, they are certainly briefed with putting the best team possible on the pitch. And an international manager, Graham. So on the other side, you have international soccer, which is very restricted. In international teams, you can only select players who have been born in, or have a passport, or have citizenship from a, a certain country. And it's meant to be a reflection, an international team is meant to be a reflection of that country's quality at producing players. And an international manager is the person who is in charge of and leads that team. Thank you very much. Taylor, can we dig into those two differences a little more? How are the duties of a club and international manager exactly different? Yeah, uh, with a club, you can have different roles. They can be like the, the coach or they can be a manager who has more oversight and more control. But fundamentally, basically, a club manager is at the club almost every single day pending the off season. but he's there uh, setting up training or deciding on training, deciding on tactics, deciding uh, ideally on players coming in, players being let go, players being brought up from the academy. It's a lot of daily interaction with players and with the front office, whereas with an inter- international manager, I think it's a lot less hands-on because you have a lot less time with your players. You have a few training camps uh, here and there throughout the season during the international breaks, which Ryan Bailey hates. Um <laughs> Then you'll get a training camp before a major tournament, and then you'll have tournaments like that. But you don't have nearly as much time with the players. So it's a lot more scouting and working on how to convey what you want to do from a tactical standpoint in as, if not simple a manner as possible, then as clear a manner as possible. So you get everybody on the same page uh, fairly quickly. So Graham, international soccer only happens within international windows and tournaments. But does that mean that international managers are sort of kicking their heels up while club soccer is happening. <laughs> what, what what do international managers do while they are not in uh, with their players? Uh, and, and vice versa, I suppose, for club managers. What do they do during international breaks? Are they all just in Dubai? 
Yeah, well, it seems that way from their Instagrams. But if you're like uh, Gordon Strachan in terms of what the international managers do outside of international windows, if you're like Gordon Strachan when he was Scotland manager, you spend your time between international windows playing golf and doing some TV punditry and basically doing anything besides watching any Scottish players. That was a good time for the Scottish national team. But uh, as Taylor, seriously though, as Taylor mentions, um, it's an international manager will will largely scout and, and watch players. And I think one thing we should mention is in terms of the differences between club and international managers is that the there is no transfer market in international football. So the transfer market takes up a huge amount of time and discourse in the, the club game. And while managers might have a director of football or a recruitment department to take the lead in signing players and recruitment, it's still something that is very much at the forefront of a, of a club manager's thinking. An, an example of that, you know, Eric Ten Hag has just been appointed a, a the new Manchester United manager. And basically all the talk about him at the moment is what players is he going to bring in and who's, who's going to be in his team for the start of next season. You don't don't really have that in international soccer and the reason I say you don't really have that is because in the modern age where nationality can be a bit more fluid recruitment is actually becoming a, a bit of, a bit of the international game so recently we've seen Poland aggressively trying to woo Gagoslonina to play for them over the USA and um, there's a number of English-born players in the Scotland team speaking personally Che Adams Scott McTominay but generally speaking there is no trading or transfer element to being an international manager so that is just another thing that means that they they maybe have a bit more time on their hands. I think communication is another thing international managers need to be good at between international windows. So some managers take a, a more proactive approach than others. Berhalter, for instance, seems to be in constant contact with a lot of players telling them what they need to work on to get into the roster and just generally keeping them in the loop. And I think Gareth Southgate is another international manager who likes to communicate frequently with his players, even when they're with their, their club teams. And these guys aren't just coaches. I think this is another difference is international managers tend to be almost mentors for a lot of players. And that can be the same of, of club managers as well, but it's maybe more common for international managers to take on that role over over club managers. So yes, it's certainly true that international managers have a bit more time for the golf course like uh, Gordon Strachan, but there are things that they do to keep themselves busy. And Taylor, we, we in this episode so far, we've kind of treated club and international managers as different silos, whereas in reality, they're often the same person. Often an international manager will have a vast experience uh, managing club teams beforehand. And obviously, say, for example, we spoke about Sir Alex Ferguson on Soccer 101 in recent weeks, and he managed Scotland very, very briefly for a tournament. And so there is much crossover. So, uh, you know, there, there are certain qualities that you need in both roles, Taylor. Yeah, I think there certainly are. I think ultimately you have to be able to communicate to your players what you need of them and what your sort of expectations are for them. And that communication has to be clear and to the point because I think mixed messages can lead to poor performance, certainly, but also just miscommunication and players can be left dissatisfied. And that could be at club level, a player not being told they're not going to be starting a game or they're not going to be on the bench for a game or the reasons why versus international level. It could be why a player isn't called up. And we hear about that sometimes a player saying, no, I haven't really had any communication. I don't really know what's going on versus, yeah, they talked to me, they, he wants to see this out of me, or it just wasn't the right time, or he talked to my club coach, they wanted me to stick around, and we worked something out. Like, I think, fundamentally, communication is such a big part of it, but I think also having a very clear idea of how you would like your team to play is going to be the case at international level, where, again, you have 
less time to prepare. So you've got to get everybody on the same page and you've got to get everybody buying into the system. Obviously, that's the case at the club level. But I also think both of them require the ability to adapt. I think international management maybe. A little bit more, but in a different way. At club level, obviously, you have to make in-game adjustments. And if you're playing in a knockout tournament, you've got to kind of change your approach a little bit. Um, so I think the ability to communicate with your players, the ability to have a clear plan for what you want to do, but then the ability to adjust on the fly as you encounter a different opponent or a different style of play or a different condition, if it's a knockout round game versus a group stage game or something like that, I think those would be three pretty big commonalities in my mind. Graham... Is, is there certain qualities that um, a club manager can take over to international management? Let's let's talk about Jose Reina, for example. Um, obviously, a very um, prestigious club manager, and it's often said that he will or he desires to uh, manage his national team, Portugal, before he retires. Mm-hmm. So, if he does that, it strikes me that he would actually be quite well suited to Portugal, for example, given the way they play it, given the way he plays. So is it, are there certain traits that, you know, certain club managers couldn't take over international management and vice versa? Um, I'm not sure. In terms of where you're going with the Mourinho suggestion, I agree, he, he, it feels like he would be a good international manager at this point. I think that's more to do with Mourinho as a, as a specific case rather than something I could universally apply to, to all club managers. So Mourinho's best qualities have always been he's a, he's a good organiser, he can set up, well, I, I don't know whether this is the case now, but certainly <laughs> traditionally he's a good organiser, he can set up a team, he knows how to keep a, a team com- compact. He's a pragmatist and that's one of his best qualities. And I always think in international soccer, the successful managers tend to tend to be pragmatists. I'm sure there's a, a few exceptions to the rule, but you look at teams that have won major tournaments and they don't always play the most thrilling football. It's about teams that can keep, th- keep things tight at the back and have a good defensive uh, basis. And maybe that is Jose Mourinho at this stage of his career. But in terms of what qualities um, do a club manager need and international managers need, I think club managers need more resilience just in terms of the workloads Mm -hmm. and the perpetual pressure of being in the grind day in day out and some managers don't have that mindset and so the international game might be better for them on the flip side some managers need the grind of the the daily routine and enjoy that pressure that constant pressure and so maybe they're maybe they're uh, they're better better suited to the club game I think international managers any international manager that recognizes the role they play, not just as a leader of their team, but as a leader for all of soccer in that country has mm. a, has an advantage. So this is something that Gareth Southgate, to mention him again, he's very good at that. But Fabio Capello, a previous England manager, was terrible at this. And Southgate understands that he's going to be asked about wider issues, sometimes societal issues that are only slightly linked to the England national team. But he knows that his voice and those things carry, carries weight and it, his voice matters. And Fabio Capello never got that. So maybe if you have um, someone who understands that, for instance, Jurgen Klopp, in that sense, would make a good international man- manager. I'm not sure maybe some of his other methods wouldn't. You know, maybe he needs more time in the training pitch to get his ideas across. But in terms of being a leader, he always speaks well about wider issues. I think he would he would make a good Germany coach in that respect. So that's just how I, I see the the roles differing. But as you say, Ryan, there is a lot of overlap between the two and you get traffic between the international game and the club game where managers have experienced success in both. Very good stuff. We are talking about the differences between club and international managers and the qualities needed for each. We're going to be right back. We're going to be talking about some examples of great managers in both categories and those who have succeeded right after this break very shortly. 
Today's episode of Soccer 101 is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Longtime sponsors ExpressVPN would like to let you know that using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your baggage at the airport without a lock. Did not realize you were supposed to lock your check-ins. Now I'm slightly paranoid because if you think your stuff is kept private, you never know who's going through it. And that applies to your internet activity as well. When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers, ISPs, can see every single website you visit. I won't even pause to let that sink in because that could be too terrifying. They can legally sell this information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. But when you use ExpressVPN, you can browse anonymously because ISPs cannot see your online activity. You become anonymous via a secure VPN server. Your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. Secure your online activity today by visiting expressvpn.com slash soccer today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash soccer. And you can get an extra three months for free. ExpressVPN.com slash soccer. Thank you very much to ExpressVPN for making me paranoid about airline travel, securing the internet, and sponsoring today's episode. Soccer 101, welcome back. Taylor Rockwell, um, I ask you, in your opinion, which is the more demanding discipline? Is it the club or international management? Obviously, with the clubs, you have the constant day-to-day pressure. But with international manager, particularly with certain nations, maybe some South American nations, maybe some European nations, maybe even the US as well, there is very concentrated pressure in certain periods. Who do you think has it harder? Who, who, whose job is more demanding, would you say, Taylor? I do think it's club level, and I think it's for reasons that Graham already talked about a little bit, but I think you're dealing with the daily pressure of just where you're going to finish in the table. Are we going to win? Are we going to be in the Champions League spots? Are we going to be mid-table? Are we in a relegation battle? How are we getting out of that relegation battle? I think there's so much pressure to get the results on a daily basis, and then on top of that, you just have that things can go wrong. If you upset a player, if you don't put them on the bench, or you sub them out prematurely, but then you don't deal with it or talk to them about it, I think you can start to have little issues and squad discontentment that can spread and clicks that can form, and I think there's just so many unexpected things that can pop up that can be a problem at club level I think it's always going to be more challenging international management certainly has its own challenges but I do think ultimately it's are you winning this tournament are you winning that tournament it's sort of that's where the major interest is and even if you're not it's not really expected that the United States is going to win the World Cup so if Greg Berhalter gets us out of the group stage like, I, I don't know. Is that enough? I, I think with international management, it's there's more flexibility to the way you are treated when it comes to results. I think it's about how good your team is playing, but less so about the individual results of the day. I, I also think fans are, broadly speaking, of course, because it's different case by case, but I also think fans are more demanding on club managers. And maybe this yep. dynamic is slightly different in America uh, because in America, I get the feeling that in men's soccer, the USMNT is the big thing that everyone talks about. But the dynamic in most countries, most other countries, is that um, you have the international windows and the scrutiny is intense. And then club football returns and people kind of forget about the national team until the next international window. And you have more time as an international manager out of the spotlight in, in international soccer. As I say, maybe slightly different than the US, where it feels like the discussion around the USMNT is... Uh, hot quite often it's perpetually hot uh, whereas in in a lot of Europe and, and even some of the South American countries as well the dynamic with club football is slightly different 
Graham, is it fair to say in terms of the prestige of the two positions that maybe uh, years ago, international management was the very top of the tree and you had Mm -hmm. to earn it through years of club management? And now maybe it's something, if you're a really great manager, you'll go to a club and have a dynasty there. And maybe it's like like we mentioned with Mourinho, it's something you might squeeze in before you retire to to check it off the list, so to speak. Is that fair or am I being a bit... um, you know, uh, unfair on international management there. No, I, th- I think that's fair. Broadly speaking, of course, there are probably exceptions to that rule. But as you say, uh, about three decades ago, the the the, inter- the national team job in each respective country was the top job. Um, and you would get the best manager at their peak at that time to be the national team manager. That that doesn't really happen now. If you went through all the, the biggest nations, even the USA is, is Berhalter the, the best US manager right now? No, I'd say that's probably Jesse Marsh. Is Gareth Southgate the best England English manager? Uh, well, maybe he is actually, but I think that <laughs> speaks to the the, the dearth of uh, English managers in the Premier League right now. And uh, would Gareth Southgate get what have got one of the big Premier League jobs before he was hired as England manager? Would Sam Allardyce before him have got one of the big jobs? No. Um, is Didier Deschamps the best French manager? I wouldn't say so. Maybe Roberto Mancini is an exception. Maybe Luis Enrique is an exception for Spain. But as you say, generally speaking, because of the the lesser demands, the physical and mental demands of international soccer, it tends to be um, to 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 use a term, uh, an old man's game, and it's something that. A veteran manager will come in, and usually it is a big name that comes in and 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 will do a good job. But um, yeah, it's something that uh, it, the the dynamic has changed in terms of when managers will look to move into inter- international soccer compared to about three decades ago. Taylor, why don't we finish up with some real world examples? Maybe some great club managers who've also got on to be good international managers. Uh, people who've succeeded at both. Maybe some people who have uh, found yeah. it trickier in one category than the other. Yeah, I think there's a few who've, who've succeeded in both. Uh, Randis Michaels, the famous uh, Dutch manager, would be one. Has a lot of success at club level with Ajax and Barcelona, but then wins the Euros with the Netherlands in the 80s. So I would say that definitely counts as successful. Gus Hiddink is one who is very famous for what he's done at international level. He seems to be the the international whisperer or whatever it would be because <laughs> he's had pretty good success with the Netherlands. Actually, not the Netherlands, but with Turkey, with Russia, and with Korea, but then also won the FA Cup with Chelsea, won plenty of league titles with PSV. And uh, a third that I had on my list for doing both would be Roberto Mancini, who's won cups with five different clubs. Uh, he's won two different leagues, the Premier League and Serie A, but he's also won the Euros more recently. And then they failed to qualify for the World Cup. So a confusing one for Roberto Mancini, but those are three that I think have done done both pretty well. I was surprised to realize that Carlo Ancelotti has never managed a national team because it does seem like if you're going to do both you tend to see people who are just sort of coming in with vibes, like they're coming in (laughs) and being a charismatic leader. And that does seem like a thing that Carlo Ancelotti is very good at. So maybe we'll see him eventually do it, though. uh, He's doing just fine at club level right now. Can can anyone name the only manager to have ever won a European Cup and a Men's World Cup? Does anyone know who that is? Someone that you'll have heard of. I'm not going to throw someone out from the 30s or anything like that. It's Vicente Del Bosque. Ah. So he certainly, uh, I think... Deserves a mention as someone who has crossover, crossed over sorry, between the two disciplines. Any other nominations, Graham, for, for managers who succeeded in both fields? 
So I had uh, Mancini as well, and another recent advantage, uh, sorry, uh, candidate, I would say, is Luis Enrique. I know he hasn't won anything with Spain yet, but there is a sense that he's building a, a pretty good team there, and they'll be among the front runners in Qatar, and obviously he's won the Champions League and league titles with, with Barcelona, so that was another another name that sprung to mind. Is there a shout for Roy Hodgson, who hasn't won a ton, and I'd say a lot of that has to do with some of the clubs he's managed later on, but has had... Varied success as a club manager, but has managed a, a couple different national teams. He seems like one who's kind of been able to do both things decently well. Mm. Was Hodgson was Hodgson a good England? I can't. He's he has uh, coached Finland as well, right? That's other Switzerland, England, Finland, UAE, and oh right, there's a few there. Okay, mm-hmm. so I I can't really speak to how well he did with those nations, but in my mind, Roy Hodgson wasn't a particularly great. England That's manager. Fair. What's what say you? Right. It, did, it didn't end well. I'll say that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. <for sure>. Okay. <laughs> All right, Taylor. My last question: Is there a uh, let's, is there a great club manager who you think is going to go on to make a great international manager? And why is it Zinedine Zidane? <laughs> That's a good shout. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. Zidane does feel like a very good nomination because I think he brings the profile, but I think he also brings a little bit of that let the players play, and I think that does tend to work with more high-profile nations. Uh, I think Jose Mourinho, as a defensive manager who can get players playing hard and defensive soccer, I think that tends to be pretty successful at international level. So those would be two, and then the other one that's maybe a slightly trickier way to answer this one would be Hansi Flick, uh, who had mm. success with Bayern Munich, but I would be very surprised if he did not have success with Germany. So that's another one who's kind of already made the jump, but I would expect that jump to go pretty well for him. I would expect so too. Graham, conversely, maybe a great manager in club level who might not make it internationally. I always wonder if Pep Guardiola would be suited yeah. to the international game because he's just so intense every day. Uh, that that's the the obvious one isn't it because pep also gets mentioned as a candidate for a lot of international jobs i think the one that keeps coming up is brazil uh pep keeps on well he doesn't keep talking about it but he keeps responding to questions about whether he'll take the brazil job at some point in the future qatar has also been mentioned my bold prediction for 2022 was he was going to be the Qatar manager for the World Cup. I don't think that's going to happen now, <laughs> but it certainly feels like he will he will move into international management at, at some point in his career. I don't know how that's going to go because as you say, Ryan, it feels like he's very much a coach that needs that needs uh, the, the the time on the training pitch with his players to get his ideas across. And, and obviously you don't really have that in international soccer. Going back the other way, I, I, I have said before in the Americans in Action podcast whether uh, Greg Berhalter might be better suited to club coaching rather than international coaching. Obviously, he's already done that in his career in, in, in MLS. Um, and then another suggestion for a, a club manager who I think would make a good international manager is, uh, and I'm being entirely serious with this one, is uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as Norway manager. I think that would happen at some point. Huh. That sounds like a good fit to me, yeah, Graham. I think... I think those are really smart shouts. I think Solskjaer at Norway, definitely. Uh, who was your middle one, Graham? Forgive me. So I mentioned Berhalter maybe being better in club management than international oh, management. Right, which I, I think there's juries out on that one. But the Pep one, I, I agree with you that I think modern Pep, or current Pep, would not do well at international management. But if we saw him sort of evolve, we've seen him take sabbaticals in the past and take time off. And if he, w- if he came back into it and decided, I'm going to change it up, I'm not going to be super intense. I want to be more mellow. Then maybe that's where it could be. But it, I think it would require almost a personality shift <laughs> from Pep Guardiola to be successful with the national team. 
And that would unnerve me more if yeah. all of a sudden Pep Guardiola Pep. overnight was just mellow. Yeah. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. Central Park Pep. Remember he took that sabbatical in New York? As you say there, oh, yeah. Taylor, he took that sabbatical if he was like that in management. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'd like that. Just slouch back in his chair. If we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what you need. Uh, one other really quick thing, or I'll try to be quick with it, that I thought was interesting, because we get asked this question a lot, is about should you keep a manager for a second cycle at international level? If you've if they take you to the World Cup and it went okay, should you have them stick around? And I think you can find arguments for like, oh, it didn't work here. It didn't work with Yogi Lowe. It didn't work with this guy. But you can find other ones where managers did stick around for multiple cycles. And and. I, I am of the opinion that ultimately what kind of makes it a, a smart choice is the coach's ability to evolve and adapt. And like going with the Pep one for a moment, I do think that you would see him kind of keep cycling through players. I don't think he ever truly rests on his laurels or is ever like, yep, you're good enough. We don't need to look anymore. I think he's always about competition for places. And I think where managers tend to get in trouble, Yogi Lowe being a very good example, Germany win the World Cup in 2014. In 2018, he's starting, I think, eight of the same 11 players uh, in their first game of the group stage. And that tends to be the case. If you do well in a World Cup, I think four of the last five winners got knocked out in the group stage in the next World Cup because they play so many of the same players. You get complacent. You don't have that kind of freshening up. And I think that's where you can run into problems. It's not just that, oh, it's a second cycle. Everybody's bored. It's a second cycle. Maybe you're not pushing people the way you did the first time around. They feel complacent. They feel comfortable. And that sometimes can be good if they're comfortable on the pitch. But if they're comfortable in not having to work that hard, that's where you run into problems. Wonderful stuff. Listener, I hope you are now better versed in the intricacies and nuances of club and international management. For now, Taylor Rockwell, thank you so much for your journey today. Thank you, my friend. I, I don't know why I called it a journey, but uh, Graham <laughs> Rutherford, like thank it. you very much too. <laughs> thank you, Ryan, for my journey as well. Indeed. Everyone's journey is as important as one another, club, international, podcast or otherwise. Listener, thank you very much. We'll be back on the feed very soon. Catch you then. 